Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. All right, Purple Daily on Draft coming at you every Monday right here on the Purple Daily YouTube channel and podcast feeds. Thor Nystrom, Tyler Fornis here to break down some Vikings prospects. We got minicamp observations to get into. We got a little bit of a pecking order, if you will, of which rookies uh, have the most approved starting at minicamp this week. We'll probably touch on the Daniil Hunter situation as he is requested or as he is uh, officially holding out from the mini camp. Plus a look uh, at future draft picks. That's what we do here on Purple Daily on Draft. We have turned a NFL draft concept into a 52 week show every day, uh, every week here on Purple Daily. So shout out to that. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, Thor and Tyler, my resident football and co- uh, football nerds and college football and NFL draft nerds, here to break things down. Uh, fellas, welcome back. Thor, you were up north at the cabin all week. Forno, what what the hell were you up to this weekend? Well, the oh, what was this weekend? Um, wife was at a bachelorette party in Stillwater, okay. so I hung out with the dog. Neighbor came over. We downloaded NHL '94 on the Xbox. Wow, it's, it's like it's revamped with like updated rosters, and we probably played that for a couple hours and kicked ass. Nice. Um, but n- this next weekend is when I'm getting my cabin time. No, no written content. No social media. I am going to go touch grass, and it's going to be great. Hell yeah, man. That should be a blast. Um, well, welcome back. We're at full strength here now uh, after a nice little weekend of relaxation. Uh, fellas, I want to start here because we got mini camp uh, coming up. Mandatory mini camp, I should say. No voluntary. This is mandatory mini camp. I am curious. Give me, a, give me the three guys here who have the most approved at mini camp starting on Tuesday. So uh, it could be any of these draft picks. Hell, it could be any of the UDFA class, too. I know, Thor, you're really high on that as well. Give me the three guys in order that have the most approved starting at mandatory minicamp tomorrow. Uh, Thor, I'll kick uh, kick the ball off to you to start here. Yeah, I'll I'll start with uh, Makai Blackman uh, because I think he has the most to gain. He literally has a starting spot to gain. So I, I would put him up there. We've already seen him getting uh, time in the slot. 
Uh, we know he can play on the outside as well. That's where he dominated last year for USC. So it, I thought that was pretty interesting seeing them, them uh, the Vikings giving him work in the slot. So I put him up there. Uh, McBride, I, Dwayne McBride, you have to put up there as well. Another guy who has a ton to gain. Um, it, and also lose. I mean, you know, as a seventh round pick, you're never guaranteed a roster spot. But obviously with Delvin Cook out of town now, he has a lot riding where he could either get on. I believe he's going to get on the field as a rookie and he's going to play as a rookie on early downs to all the way to if he does not impress in camp, you know, it could go the other way for him. So a, a lot going on there. And then I guess the last one I would toss out, uh, I'll toss out a UDFA, Andre Carter. Um, the Vikings are obviously very high on him. He's already gotten work with the twos. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with him. I have my concerns about his run defense. He needs to bulk up. Uh, that work has already started with him, but he has he has the, the ideal frame that you like, and he has the, the pass rushing repertoire. So we'll see if he can bulk up and, and learn how to set that edge. But he's another guy with a lot to prove. Yeah, well, now that the running back position is a little thinner, I guess, or a little bit more clear with Dalvin Cook's release, uh, and we'll get into kind of a running back pecking order here. McBride definitely has a lot to prove, and I think we all got really excited about that pick he had such a great college football season, and a lot more teams are just taking chances on finding successful running backs on day three in the, in the seventh round of the draft, but he definitely has a, a lot to prove still. And Andre Carter, yeah, I mean, is this guy going to stand out here and potentially make the roster as UDFA? Solid list. Forno, my friend. Uh, anyone else on that list that you have that's different from Thor's? How do you kind of shake out your uh, three guys that had the most to prove? I'm going to take it a little bit of a different direction, and we're going to go with guys who were already on the roster who aren't like rookies. This. I'm going to start with Ty Chandler. Okay. You have Dalvin Cook finally out of the building, which we all knew was coming up. Madison, in my opinion, has not proven that he can be a starting quality back. I don't think he's very good, and we've talked about it on this show. If you follow all my other content, you know that I am not very high on Madison. I just think he's a guy. And as kind of the guy in the backfield, I don't necessarily find that to be very appealing. And I do have a lot of love for Ty Chandler. We've talked about it. If he shows out in training camp, I think that you could see him get a lot of run early and often. And especially because he has that three down utility, I just think he's he's got a better skill set. And it's actually kind of funny. He's older than Alexander Madison which also is is just an LOL moment. But I, I love Ty Chandler, and even though Madison got a decent-sized contract, that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot considering they're going with this true committee approach in the backfield. Um, next up, Ed Ingram. He got to play through a lot of warts last season, over 1,200 snaps at guard. That was sixth in the entire NFL at the position. But he showed struggles. And as the season progressed, especially towards the end, he showed improvement but he needs to refine that technique and utilize his his abilities in a much smarter way, especially with his hands. If he can show that growth and really learn from a lot of those mistakes he made early on, Vikings could really have a solid offensive line for the first time in what feels like, I don't know, a decade? Like 2012 Adrian Peterson? That was like the last time this offensive line felt like a strength of the football team. Maybe we can get it up to that level if you have another good season by Bradbury and growth from Ed Ingram. And lastly, KJ Osborne, he is being gift wrapped wide receiver too. All he has to do is not screw it up. And Addison is going to probably be taken along a little slowly. He's going to be given opportunities based on what he produces on the practice field. If he starts producing really, really well early on, then uh, he could easily overtake him as wide receiver too. This staff likes Osborne a lot. 
And all he has to do is continue his growth, continue to play well. And he could really suppress a lot of Addison's production and playtime early on because of that and the growth into more 12 personnel and the Shanahan stuff over the McVay scheme. So I really think Osborne can solidify himself as the guy opposite of Justin Jefferson with a really, really good training camp in preseason. Let's stay in the wide receiver thread there for just a bit because uh, Mackie, Judd, and myself were talking about this on Purple Daily. You know, it, it seems like the entire position group is very interesting here. You obviously have JJ as one. Going on to your point, you have KJ probably locked in at number two. And then you would hope that Jordan Addison's on the field a lot as a slot guy, but isn't going to be asked, you know, to play out of his position or play a lot of reps because he had two good solid wide receivers in front of him. What about the rest of this crew in like Jalen Rager? To me, if it was up to me, I would have cut Jalen Rager at this point. Uh, then you have Jalen Naylor as well, um, who has also you know proved himself a little bit towards the end of last season. Uh, I guess Thor, do you see a situation where they just move on from Rager? Is there someone else too, like Naylor, that has a little bit more something to prove here that he can be a camp, not just a camp body, but someone that can make the fifty-three? I guess how do you look at the wide receiver position as well? I, I get rid of him, yeah, because he has no ball skills, and it's proven at this point that it's never going to improve there. You can have all the explosion in the world, but there's a reason that the Olympic track athletes, that they you can't just put them on the outside in the NFL and they can win. You can't just make them a, a punt returner in the NFL and they can dominate there. Uh, Rieger, his his ball skills are never going to be there. Even on, like, I mean, as a receiver, sure, but even on on the, the returns, he's fighting the ball all the way. And you've seen all, all the muffs, uh, you know, return right when the ball's coming onto him and stuff like that. The Eagles fans told us all about that, and it's like, well, but we'll see. Well, we got to see it, and I'm sick of uh, watching that guy drop the balls and muff the balls and whatnot. So, yeah, like to me, there's there's just not a lot of upside there because you're never going to fix that thing. So he's always going to be what he is now. So Mm -hmm. I I would have no problem moving on from him. And, yeah, I I would rather have Naylor move up in the pecking order if that's what that meant. You and a similar boat there, uh, Forno, as well, with just kind of moving on from Rager? I don't know if – I necessarily want to move on from Rager and I use the air quotes there because if you cut him, you're just going to eat his entire contract of like $2.5 million. And I don't know if that's necessarily something that the front office will want to do based on the on-field play. I think Thor's hundred percent, right? There really is no utility with Rager outside of like gadgety stuff. Now, could they try to utilize him in more gadgety roles? I absolutely think so. Get him on some wide receiver screens and and let him kind of do some things in the open field. And that was the only thing, coming out of TCU that really had people excited about him. When he got those short catches and he saw a little uh, blimp of space, he was able to take advantage and make some big plays. But outside of that, there really is no utility. He doesn't understand how to run routes in this offense, as you saw in the Indianapolis Colts game, that those two poor routes nearly cost the Vikings the chance to come back. Like, cause they were both interceptions, one of them for a touchdown. And when he's on the field as a receiver, there is no utility. It's he's just kind of meh at absolute best. There's no upside. He's a gadgety guy. I would I would consider moving him to running back, to be honest, because when he, you give him the ball in his hands, he's pretty good. Getting the ball in his hands is the most difficult part. And maybe he has to take a Cordero Patterson route to even stick in the NFL. Um, outside of that, Naylor's probably the wide receiver for just because they drafted him and he's shown some potential, but Really, this wide receiver group is a, a huge question mark after the top three guys. And like you could even see a a guy like a Garrett Mag, uh, who was the 90th guy on the roster. They signed him only because of Ben Elves in retirement. Maybe he makes some noise in training camp and makes the roster. Like 
this is a good year for a UDFA wide receiver to potentially make it because there really is no solidified depth after wide receiver three. So speaking of gadget guys, where does Wang Wu fit into this offense here? So you have your top two right in, on paper and Alexander Madison and Ty Chandler. And even though McBride had a little bit of a struggle getting onto the field uh, after he had a little bit of a hamstring injury, but he was able to get on towards the end of OTA, so he was able to get out there. It kind of feels like it's Wang Wu and McBride for that third wide that running back spot. And maybe they ended up keeping Wang Wu because he's still going to kick return, even though the NFL is trying to basically suppress that entire situation. Uh, Thor, do you see a situation where, where Wang Wu has moved on? Do they give him another chance to you know, become more of a gadget guy where you put the ball in his hands? He's obviously very quick. He's explosive. Uh, but then it also maybe blocks Dwayne McBride. Like, I don't know if I see a situation where both those guys end up making the 53-man roster. Yeah, he'll be given a shot to compete for sure in camp. But, uh, yeah, I don't see any shot that he's going to fend off Dwayne McBride. Dwayne McBride, he's just so skilled as a runner. And Wangu, yeah, I mean, you're right. He he has the explosion. He has the the straight-line speed. But we've never seen it with him um, as a runner. You know, I mean, like, you know, and, and in college he was stuck behind – um uh, Montgomery at Iowa State, whatever, you know, it was it was tough for him to get on, or Brees Hall, whatever at, at Iowa State, tough for him to get on the field. But um, yeah, it's I, I I just haven't seen it with him ever there. And Dwayne McBride, we've seen it over and over again with him. There, there's less things to work on. So yeah, I, I don't see him Wongu ever. I, I don't see him um, suppressing McBride or beating him out in camp or whatever. Yeah, I think he only had like 19 snaps on offense, Wang Wu that was, uh, last season. So even though he returns kicks and maybe he's good for one or two a year, uh, is he worth you know keeping up a 53-man spot and blocking someone like Dwayne McBride who this committee approach could work? You know, it would go back to 2017. Mm-hmm. After Dalvin Cook's injury, it was Jarek McKinnon, right? Um, it was Latavius Murray. The committee worked. Uh, even though they lost Dalvin Cook early in that season, that rushing attack mm-hmm. was still extremely effective. I guess, Forno, do you see the running back by committee approach with the Vikings working for them, at least on paper? I know we're still a few months away from the season, but do you think that running back by committee approach can work for him? Absolutely. It's working across the league. Just look at the two Super Bowl winning teams. The Kansas City Chiefs, running back by committee. The Philadelphia Eagles, running back by committee. They're utilizing running backs in smart ways in specific situations to make their offense the most effective. Sometimes you can have a unicorn guy. If you had a Christian McCaffrey, you don't do a running back by committee. If you have a Saquon Barkley, you probably should because of his injury history, but based on his talent, you don't do a running back by committee. Based on what the Vikings have, you absolutely should. And when you look at Kane Wongwu, as Thor kind of uh, mentioned, and I'll, I'll say it in more of a broad term, what has he shown that he should be on the field on offense? Nothing. And that's the problem. You have the, the idea of Kane Wongwu is much, much better than who Kane Wangwu actually is at this current point in time. And that's that's the real issue. He hasn't shown any development. His footwork stinks. He's not really a, a pass weapon utility because he just doesn't feel comfortable in those situations, whether it's running routes, whether it's catching the football, whether it's being able to turn up field on a screen pass and being able to take advantage of some of those things. He hasn't shown anything to warrant getting more touches on offense. And going into year three, Considering what he's now 25 years old, I think that's a really big problem as a running back. He's not a wide receiver convert. He's a running back. And maybe there's a reason he sat behind Brees Hall and didn't get a lot of utility at Iowa State outside of Brees Hall being, well, Brees Hall. So Thor, 
running back plan. You tweeted out uh, after the draft your your uh, your running back plan that you would do if you were an NFL GM, and uh, yeah. and how you wouldn't take high capital players at at the running back position necessarily. So we're still obviously what nine months out from the draft, but I'm curious which uh, which guys as I play the draft chime here. <laughs> Which NFL college football running backs uh, had the most stake? Like, which ones should maybe fans even keep an eye on uh, this college football season that could end up being utilized for the Vikings at the draft next year? Well, a, a couple of my favorites at the top of the board, Rocket Sanders from Arkansas Rocket is Sanders. really fun. Yeah, because he's big <laughs> and he's explosive, as as you, you sort of get from his name. That's awesome. Um, he's really dangerous with K.J. Jefferson in that offense, and they're going to give him a ton of usage this year, but... Listed at 6'2", 221 is Rocket Sanders, and he really came on last year. Uh, so so he he might be at the top of my list, honestly, heading into next year. Um, Travion Henderson is right there, but I want to see Travion Henderson get through a full season healthy. Last year was tough for him, was on the field, off the field, on the field, off the field. Um, but Travion Henderson is super-duper talented. Um, but it was when he was on the field, he was still trying to kick those injuries last year. He just looked kind of sluggish. So, like I said, I, I want to see him come back and do that. Uh, Blake Corum, you'd have to put up there, and Donovan Edwards, the, the two-headed monster at Michigan is absolutely ludicrous. Both those kids are really good NFL prospects. Uh, Blake Corum is sort of runs like a bowling ball. You know, he's five foot eight, but he's at 210 pounds at the size mm-hmm. threshold. So th- those would be a couple of guys I, I'd toss out. And then the last one I'll mention, uh, another guy in the in the Big Ten, uh, Braylon Allen from Wisconsin. I'm super interested to see how he does in that new offense at Wisconsin. Yes. Wisconsin goes out, they hire Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle hires Phil Longo, who is one of the most aggressive downfield uh, pass-calling offensive coordinators in all of college football. You go b- back the last four or five years. And, and then they bring in Tanner Mordecai to run that offense. Well, Braylon Allen, he's one of the biggest running backs in college football, and one of the most physical as well. You know, he's a shade over uh, six foot. I think he's listed at 235, but now he's going to be in, like, this air raid offense. So can he catch? I, I don't know. You know, over the last two years, I, I think he has 20 catches, like something like that, or 21. Sounds uh, like a Wisconsin running back. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it j- just so sparse, but in that offense, like you, you have to do it at least a little bit um, or you have to pass protect. So stuff that he wasn't doing in the past, he's going to have to do now. And then, you know, even the running concepts, like, as you guys know, like before it was the phone booth stuff and the physical down, you know, down, downhill attacking type stuff. Now it's, it's more your, you have the defense spread out and stuff like that. And now you're going to be running through the, the wider lanes and stuff like that. Um, we'll see. Cause you know, speed isn't necessarily the, the top thing on his list of strengths. So I'm, I'm just curious to see how he does in that dramatic shift of schemes in, at Wisconsin. Okay. And then Forno, how about you? Do you have any other prospects you're potentially missing out on there, the ones that you are keying in on uh, for a college football season coming up this year? Yeah, I got three that Thor didn't mention. Um, one of them, uh, Trey Benson of Florida State. Mm. Yeah, bigger guy, explosive, can attack downfield. He can do a little bit of everything, and I'm really intrigued to kind of see how he continues to grow with that offense because their quarterback, Jordan Travis, a little bit of an older guy, had a really rough start to his college career, but came on big last year and led that Florida State to um, – they didn't make a uh, New Year's Six Bowl, but they were damn close, and they ended up beating Oklahoma, I believe, in the Cheez-It Bowl, yep. which is now the Pop-Tart Bowl. The God last Cheez-It Bowl ever, yeah. <laughs> well, there's still the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. It's not quite the same as a straight-up Cheez-It Bowl, but it, it still makes an impact. A guy uh, – another guy, 
one that Gopher fans will remember. Marquise Bucky Irving oh, Bucky. transferred yep. to Oregon. And I remember talking with Thor last offseason because Kai Thomas also into Kansas. I was really high end on Irving going out to Oregon because I thought he'd be able to thrive, especially with a lot of those defenses in the Pac-12. And he did. He had over 1,000 yards. He was it, he became the guy in that offense. And I think with him and Bo Nix returning, uh, if Bucky has a huge year, you could potentially get some dark horse Heisman love for him. He's got a phenomenal skill set. He was a four-star coming out of, of high school. Like Bucky is somebody I am looking at hard, especially as we talk about college fantasy football. I think yeah. he's going to have a ton of utility in that Ducks offense. And then the last guy, um, I got to talk about the University of Florida, my guys. Um, Montrell Johnson. He's kind of built like Blake Corum. He's 5'9, he's over 200 pounds. He's more of a bowling ball, but he's got a lot of success at both Louisiana and Florida, averaged over six yards a carry. And he's not just running over guys, he's running around guys. He's able to hit some like minor home runs. So he's he's getting like 40, 50 yard runs. He's not taking him 80. Very few guys can do that on a consistent basis with really any form of consistency. But he can get those huge chunk plays, and he's going to get you a lot of short yardage utility. Plus, he can catch. For a guy that big, you don't often see them being able to catch the football really well. And Johnson's been able to do that in that Billy Napier system. He's somebody that probably won't crack day two. But if you get him in round four, kind of like we talked about with Roshan Johnson out of Texas, I think you could see a really productive NFL running back. Hey, does Mo Ibrahim end up doing anything in the NFL? Do you guys do you guys see him making a roster? Do you see him being able to stick around? Um, I'm curious on on how you guys feel because he was so damn good at Minnesota. Uh, I'm curious if that skill set can translate to the NFL too. I, I think he'll hang around. Yeah, I I don't know if it'll like the only weird thing about him was going to Detroit, right? Because mm-hmm. they already have the the two spots locked in with Swift and and Montgomery. Um, so, you know, you wonder about that. Um, I know they gave him, I think they gave him a hundred K guaranteed to go there, but his skill set it will work on the early downs because he has such a good feel for it. The vision's really good. Mm-hmm. Tough kid breaks, tackles, everything like that. Um, the, obviously the upside is capped. He, he's a little bit older. He's had some injuries, stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, I would trust that, that guy with the meat and potatoes early down stuff for sure. Okay. And I think you can trust him on on third down, too, because he showed the ability to be a a decent pass protector. Being a little bit of a shorter guy, that gives you a leverage advantage, and especially because he's a thicker back, has a lot of lower body strength that can really help you in those areas, and he's not afraid of catching the football. Being that the Gophers were like the highest rushing team of a non-option team in the FBS last season, he still caught the ball a decent amount. Um, I don't have the numbers offhand, but... Like he's comfortable doing those things. And I think that three down utility is going to help him make a roster. And I'm really intrigued to see now that he's going to be two years removed from that Achilles tendon injury, what kind of explosiveness he's going to offer. Cause you saw, I, I think it was the Iowa game. He had a huge run that yeah. if he was two years removed from that Achilles there, probably houses it instead of getting tackled around the 20. And I think seeing what he's able to do post Achilles two years, I think it's really going to tell you what kind of NFL future he has because that was really, as Thor mentioned, the really only real concern with him going in. Ibrahim against Iowa uh, last year, that was one of the most impressive running back performances I've ever seen live. That, th- mm-hmm. that game was, I mean, it was one of the coldest windshield games of the entire season. And and Fleck was basically just like, well, we're just going to hand it to Ibrahim every single time. And he did fumble at the very end. And some Gopher fans were grumbling about that. He touched the ball over 40 times in that game. 
the Gophers wouldn't have even been in that game were it not for Mo Ibrahim. Like mm-hmm. I, Iowa's de- Iowa had, I, I believe, the number two defense last year by the advanced analytics. I think they were only behind Georgia, who had was nasty, yeah. nasty, nasty. And I, and that number two defense knew exactly what was coming every single time, and they still couldn't mm-hmm. slow down Mo Ibrahim. So yeah, I, yeah, I, I do think that Mo Ibrahim's skill set will translate to the NFL. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Uh, boys, I want to hit you some reckless speculation here. Reckless speculation. It actually goes back to what Tyler was just talking about with Ed Ingram and guys that had the most approve uh, at mandatory minicamp. So let's say Ed Ingram doesn't pan out here, and there's just they, they start to panic a little bit, right? The guys, oh boy, he's still behind. He's not developing appropriately. Does Dalton Risner do anything for you guys? I believe he's still out mm. there on the free agent market. Um, I could see them if one of these guards fades. Like I would be making a call because I don't think they can afford for that line to be poor again. And it's finally building up to something that's respectable for the first time in a while. Uh, Thor, does Dalton Risner do anything for you? He does. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I like that idea. I, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that before, but he definitely does. And he gives you some versatility too. You know, you, you could bring him in, compete with Ingram, I suppose. And then if he doesn't win that, you'd have, you know, the utility to back up the tackle spots as well. In addition to the guard spots, so yeah, I mean, I I would absolutely consider that. And now with with Cook gone, you know, it was like all off season. We talked about this over and over again. The Vikings are capped out. The Vikings are capped out. The Vikings are capped out. But now you look at their cap situation. It's actually like, oh, the Vikings could actually sign a couple dudes. Yeah. So Quasi obviously has some sort of plan here. Whether that's to funnel some of this money into contract extensions, whether that's to funnel some of it into signing a couple veterans. But yeah, that's absolutely something that I would consider because the the line depth it's it's not like it's great for the Vikings currently. So like if if it's me, I I would also like to buy an insurance policy, even if Ingram works out, right? Like a guy that off the bench that could start at multiple spots depending on injury. Remember last season when uh, there was the the cluster injuries on the offensive line. And all of a sudden, for like two or three games, it was like hold on to your hats. The, the Cowboys game in particular, mm-hmm. where like all of Minnesota was shutting that game off because one second after every single snap, it was the enemy was storming the gates and Cousins was like, oh boy, here we go again. And just had to throw the ball up. So yeah, I mean, like if, if you get a, 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 I mean, even just as a really, really good backup that can back up multiple spots, that has a worth in and of itself. So yeah, thumbs up for me. Okay, I like it. I like it. Don't, I think you go ahead, Porno. Yep. I think the idea of Rosner makes a lot of sense. I, I don't see it happening. Um, I think, that, like, let's just take a look at what Quasi has done so far. He is putting a lot of the guys he has drafted in positions to be real big contributors this year. And I don't see, even if Ingram shows some struggles in training camp or in mandatory mini camp, I don't think that they're going to make any kind of panic move. They didn't sign a single offensive lineman. Like, they kept the, pretty much the entire group outside of Kyle Hinton, who ended up taking a, a futures deal from the Falcons for $100,000. I, I think that they're going to end up keeping this group. I, the idea of Risner makes a lot of sense. I I don't see it because I think they're going to ride Ingram at least one more season. And if he struggles there, 
then I think you have start having the conversation. But Kwesi's putting all his eggs in his draft picks baskets, and whether that'll pay off or not is to be determined. But I think we need to kind of set aside the idea of Risner because it's just not going to happen. All right, let's go to this Neil Hunter front now, fellas, because... Um... Reckless speculation! Great talk! Juicy rumors! He's not showing up to camp. That's clear now. Um, we'll see if he gets the payday he's certainly looking for. Uh, but... I saw Jeremy Fowler tweet out, it might take two plus, as in two picks, potentially pride Neil Hunter uh, away from the Vikings. So I guess, Thor, if that's the starting point, two of those draft picks, what are those picks to you? Is it a first and a third? Is it two day two picks? How would you, uh, what would you accept in return if you were to trade to Neil Hunter? Conversation starts at a one. I'm not interested if a first round pick is not included. Like the, the second, like I'm, I'm just not interested if it's a second. If if some team's con with a first, yeah, let's let's get her done. Um, and if you want to, you know, I mean, toss in a fourth or what? Great. Um, but for me, that's what it's going to require is the first. And my thing with with Hunter, like I love Hunter. Hunter's Hunter's a great player, and you know, I mean, any team would be lucky to have him, whatnot. But with this Vikings team. I don't think like the the NFC North is not good, right? Like, and and the Lions, I guess, probably are the Vikings' biggest competition for the division. But even if the Vikings win the division, I do not think this team is good enough to win a playoff game. And I hope I'm proven wrong on that account, but that's just what I believe. And so if I was running the team and Daniel Hunter's not happy and we're thinking about, you know, like the the cap, um, you know, sort of quagmire we were in at the beginning of, of this past off season, and then these these next couple seasons and, and wanting more flexibility with that. And what did Kwesi call it? A competitive rebuild or whatever, whatever he was calling it or whatever. Like if with all that stuff going on and knowing that you're potentially going to move on from Cousins after this year, you had the opportunity to, to extend them, you didn't. So now you're on this sort of one year thing. Next year, we know that there are going to be at least two demigod quarterback prospects in that class in Caleb Williams and Drake May. Getting a second first-round pick, I think, would be enormous with that. Um, that That's how I would play it, but th- that's your entrance ticket. If any team is interested, we have to have a first-round pick in that offer, or else uh, I don't care. Like We're not trading him. That's kind of where I'm at, too. I, I don't think you can accept anything less that starting point with at least a round two pick. And, yeah, I, I would for, for sure would want a first to at least for the, be the starting point. Uh, I guess, Forno, what about you, man? You got uh, two draft picks there that could be potentially at play. I know that's not always the case, but what would I know? What would you want to accept in a Daniil Hunter trade, even though I know you are very much uh, against the idea of trading him? I think it's at least a two-plus. You have to start the conversation at a minimum at the Khalil Mack trade that was made last year at two and a six. And Hunter's like two or three years younger than Khalil Mack. So it's, it's even a different situation on that front. But when you look at the whole picture, you have to be able to get uh, somewhat good value. And I, I can't remember if it was here or with Judd. I, I, I remember talking to you about it, Declan. It's the Pawn Stars thing. You yes. go into the pawn shop. You have a pet rock. It's valued at $10,000. Rick's going to offer you six grand for it because he's <laughs> got to make a little bit of profit too. Like, is, are the Vikings actually going to get value for him compared to what he should be going for? Because I think it's a one and a three. I think that's what his market value is. But your market value is truly only what somebody's willing to pay you for that asset. Because not only are you going to have to pay to trade for a Daniel Hunter who's 28 years old, who's going to turn 29 at the end of October. But on top of that, you're also going to have to give him a market value contract. And that can really be a deterrent, especially when you're talking about a 28-year-old. We're not talking about a 24-year-old Jalen Ramsey here. We're talking about a guy who's made multiple Pro Bowls, who's been an All-Pro, 
who's had two season ending injuries, one to his neck and one to his pectoral muscle. So it, the whole thing's very complicated. I think if a trade ends up happening, it's a conditional two that could turn into a one and then something like a four. I think that's what will likely end up happening because at least if you're the Vikings, if you get a two, but that there's a condition to make it a one, you can at least live with that. So, uh, 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 Thor, I would say, are are you in the line that you want to pay Daniil Hunter? Like, would you still give him a three-year deal? Would you give him a multi-year deal? Or would you rather probably just take the draft capital at this point and then use it on something else for next year, whether that's getting a new edge rusher? I guess, how do you kind of uh, sway on keeping Daniil Hunter or trading Daniil Hunter? If I can get, uh, let's just say a first and a fourth, then I'm I'm taking it. Um, but um, otherwise, I would work something out uh, short term with him. I, I'm not sure. Like, I don't know what he's asking for. And if he's asking for the moon in guaranteed money, with, with the roster and sort of flux, again, you know, Quasi refers to it as like the competitive rebuild, but I view it more as in flux. Like, you don't really know what direction they're going to go right now. I would be uh, sort of remiss or I'd be reluctant, I guess, to uh, delineate a whole bunch of uh, cap resources and, and tie up a bunch of guaranteed money in Daniel Hunter right now uh, coming off the, the – I mean, last year, you know, played better and was healthier or whatnot, but the couple of years before that with the injuries and whatnot, I don't know if I'd want to do that with him now right on the doorstep of 30. So um, I, I, I would – like I said, I would listen to the phone calls – but otherwise, I think I would try to work out something uh, short term. I understand why he's upset, um, you know, with the contract he's playing under. But then on the other hand, he's the one that signed it. You know, they've, they've already haggled over this thing before. Maybe there's something you could do in the short term, you know, k- kick him, you know, I don't know, a, a million or two million you know, of this extra cap room you have now to try to assuage him for one year if no one comes to him with a trade offer. Because that's something you can use with leverage with him and his agent and negotiations, too of like, pal, we went around the NFL. No one's offering a first-round pick for you. So, you know, if you, if you think you're going into this robust thing and you're going to get all this money you're asking from us out there, I'm not sure that that's going to happen whatnot. But, you know, we, we can certainly work something out short-term, and then, you, you you know, you could hit the open market then if that's what you want to do. But, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't, like, go nuts and, and give him whatever his agent's asking for. I, I would try to uh, explore the other routes first. Let's also go down this little path from a, a comment on our YouTube section. By the way, if you guys have any questions you want to ask Thor, Tyler, or myself on Purple Daily on Draft, hit us up in those YouTube comment section. We monitor them. So if uh, you want something asked or answered, I should say, hit us up. We'll gladly ask it, uh, answer it on, on most episodes. Bill says, can you talk about trading for some stars? Is this team a contender if we went out and got some pieces on sale? What if we did sign DeAndre Hopkins and then made a trade for a star defensive player. Now, I will say, most of those guys are out, right? Like, all those good free agents are, are mostly gone. Now, I know De- I know DeAndre Hopkins is still out there. Uh, but should they be in the market for trading more assets and trying to maybe make a splash, you know, towards next year? I guess, Forno, how do you kind of fall on that? How are they going to help you long-term? And yeah. I think that's the first question you have to ask. Uh, the whole reason they made the TJ Hawkinson trade is he's young. He's only 25 years old. And when you extend him, you're going to have his entire prime. And I think that is the reason why they made the move. And it's it's going to be an asset for them on a long-term level. If you're not going to be an asset for them past this year or just this year and next year, I don't think the Vikings make the move. And I don't think they're in a position where they should sell to be able to get rentals. I think when you take a look at how the Bucks handled the last few years, 
they won a Super Bowl the first year with Tom Brady, and they viewed themselves as heavy contenders, and so did everybody else the next two seasons. That's the kind of situation where you sell out and you get rentals. You get veterans to come in and help your team right now. The Vikings in 09 kind of had the same thing. They brought in Brett Favre as like the mercenary quarterback, and they had a team veteran-laden ready to win now. Vikings aren't at that point yet. And I understand the want to bring in stars. It's it's good for business. It gets excitement up. Like, they're great players. But this isn't just a one-year thing. This is a multi-year project. If you had a team ready to go right now, you make those moves. But unless they're going to help you down the line, I, I really can't see it. Plus, with you already having to extend Hawkinson, Hunter, Derisaw, Jefferson, are you really going to want to trade for a guy who you're going to also have to give a market value contract? At this point, might just be smarter to keep your assets, maybe even increase them, and try to continue to grow and develop through the draft because it's a salary cap league. You cannot pay everybody. Absolutely. Uh, fellas, last takes on the Neil Hunter situation, or I guess mandatory minicamp, which is approaching uh, tomorrow here uh, at from TCO. Do you have any final takes before we wrap up here on Purple Daily on Draft? My last one is I, I would agree with what Forno just said. Um, like with um, Hopkins, he's not a fit because you signed Josh Oliver. You're going to be in the, the 12 base and you have you, you took Addison to start on the other side. Um, I, I wouldn't trade any draft picks because, I mean, like, you know, we, we you have to keep your draft picks. Uh, last year we were a little bit picked for. You're out the third round pick this year. That, or, or, I'm sorry, uh, next draft. The Vikings do have two fourths and two fifth round picks next year, but I would be looking to augment those picks as opposed to subtract from them, especially again, when you're in this world where you might be replacing cousins and the administration's looking to uh, replace some of these pieces with, with, with some of their own. So yeah, I, I would be looking at it the, the other way. I just don't think this team is close enough to, to their contention window. I also, like I said, w- uh, with regards to the Hunter thing, wouldn't be looking to de- delineate a whole bunch of my future cap room I would try to retain some of that flexibility. The one thing I would look at is if there is a, a veteran, especially on, on the younger side, of, if there's any upside, but like um, irregardless on defense, if there's a guy out there that will sign a short-term deal that you can project to come in and compete for a spot on a one-year rental, that's what I would look at. You know, a, a cornerback position, one that we've talked about, interior defensive line, maybe linebacker, they have holes all over really at any position outside of safety, in my opinion. So like if, you know, there, or you mentioned Risner, if, if he was willing to come in here to compete, you know, and potentially accept being a backup, um, like those are things that I would look at, but not long-term, not giving up my future cap flexibility. And I'm not looking to trade draft picks mm-hmm. either. Well, how about you, man? Any final takes? Yeah. Um, let, let's talk about Hunter for a minute. Um, Luke Easterling of Athlon Sports. You may remember him. He used to run draft wire. He wrote a piece about Hunter's trade value and put it at a fourth round pick. And I found the reasoning why very interesting. Uh, he kind of related it to how the Vikings traded Zadarius Smith for less, but also said, hey, Hunter's worth more. But why would you give up massive draft capital and then a huge extension for Daniil Hunter when you can sign Yannick Ngakwe, who's a slightly discounted version of Daniil Hunter, for a lot less than the free agent market? And I just found that piece really interesting and the thought process of how teams kind of go about these things where they have to look at every single avenue. How much better is Hunter considering the assets you have to provide in order to get him? How much better is he than a guy like Yannick Ngakwe, who's the same age on the free agent market? I found that process to be 
one that's welcomed in this space because I don't think we talk about that element enough. It's all about what is this asset worth and how like how is that going to work out? But what else is out there? And I think that what else is out there could really impact how much he actually gets in a trade because teams will be like, well, I can just go get this guy and get good production out of him. Like, why would I want to get Hunter, who's got maybe some questions on if he's going to give me elite production? But at the end of the day, I'd still sign him. I'd rip up the current contract and give him three total years, $57 million with thirty-five guaranteed. You can find my reasonings why at vikingswire.com because I broke down based on historical comps for contracts. I like it. Hit that subscribe button. Yeah, ask any questions, too, that uh, you want to answer right here on Purple Daily on Draft. We post one every week here on the Purple Daily network of shows, whether that's on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Score North app. Hit that subscribe button for daily Vikings entertainment. Judd will be live uh, at TCO on Tuesday, so we'll have some more mandatory minicamp observations as well. And this has been Purple Daily on Draft with Tyler Fornis and Thor Nystrom. We'll be back next week.